Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts, and all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, and we were given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, does not mean that it does that mean that it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it is not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts of the body like he wanted. If all were one and the same body part, what would happen to the body? But, but as it is, there are many parts but one body. So that I can say to the hand, I don't need, so that I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we are think are less honorable, honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private of the body, the private parts, wait, the parts of the body, oh, okay, so the pri private parts of the, our body aren't presentable, that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that aren't, um, that are presentable don't need this, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to the part with less honor so that we don't, we won't be division in the body so that there won't be division in the body, and so the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, then all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. Thank you. <laughs> all right get myself organized up here. I don't know if I said, I'm Pastor Meg. It's nice to see everyone. <laughs> Usually I'm up here doing um, like announcements and stuff. So I get to say that earlier. Um, all right. Um, so last week, uh, I don't know how many of y'all are here, but if you were, uh, and if you weren't, you can go back and hear it online. Um, last week, Brody closed out our sermon series for the summer on Ezra and Nehemiah, um, and he reminded us that we are all human bricks that compose the temple of God's presence. Um, and I love this image. I've been thinking about it all week. Um, all of us working together, part of an intricate, sturdy, cohesive whole, um, a temple fit for the presence of God in which everyone relies on everyone else uh, to keep the whole thing together and we allow Christ, the foundation, to bear the weight of all of us collectively. Um, it really is a fantastic metaphor. But one thing I feel like I've learned through godly play mostly is that um, when you're talking about a really big mystery, which is us being the church, um, you, ha you sometimes need more than one metaphor to start to get your arms around it. So this morning, uh, I wanted us to think a little bit about what it means to be the church by examining another one of Paul's favorite metaphors for us as the church, and that's the body. Um, I like this metaphor 
because it helps us get at how we can all be individual people with our own personalities and needs and gifts who can still be a cohesive whole. Um, as Brody pointed out last week, bricks were developed independently by people all over the world. Um, and even though they didn't like all work together, bricks all turned out the same. So they're all like rectangular and they're all like the size that can fit in your hand, right? But, um, but we are all different, uh, gloriously different and different on purpose. Uh, so just like our bodies were made to work together in really complicated and uh, miraculous ways, we each have unique roles to play uh, as part of a healthy and functioning church body. But I think there's a force in our culture and in our workplaces and in many churches that tell us that we all need to be the same. Um, it's almost like they've taken the brick metaphor a little too far. <laughs> um, and when folks don't fit the mold, they're forced to change themselves in order to fit in and be just like all the other bricks. Uh, the drive for conformity can be even more dangerous when it happens in the church because we can internalize these standards in ways that make it difficult to know the difference between the voice of like a religious authority and the voice of God. Uh, I think a lot of us have been in these kinds of situations in churches. Um, maybe you're to you were told that worship should be calm and reverent and respectful. So even though just now you really wanted to clap during that last, well, maybe not the last song, but you really wanted to clap during some of those songs, you were like forcing yourself to not, um, or maybe you really want to raise your hands during one of the songs, but you just can't because that's not what proper people do in worship. Um, or maybe you really want to talk back during a sermon, <laughs> but you stop yourself. Don't stop yourself. Um, because you don't feel like you're allowed to in this space. That's not what you do in church. Um, or maybe that you, you learn somewhere along the way that the only way to be a true Christian is to vote Republican or to vote Democrat or to not be involved in politics at all. Um, and you feel like, at this point, re-examining your political beliefs is a threat to your faith, um, or maybe even a threat to, like, God. If you're female, you may have been taught that you are inherently unreliable, easily deceived, daughter of Eve, that you're too emotional, that you need a man to protect you or direct you, interpret the Bible for you, um, that your own judgment cannot be trusted. Perhaps this very passage has been used against you, um, that you have a particular place, a very quiet place uh, in the church's body. Some of you, be real, some of us, um, have spent years contorting ourselves to fit in this tiny little box, all the while believing that this is what it takes to grow in Christlikeness. You may even believe that the critical voices in your head telling you that you're not worthy or lovable are the voice of the Holy Spirit. Women, of course, do not have the market cornered on this kind of experience. Um, many people have found themselves on the outside of a church community. Maybe it's because of your race or your immigration status or your political beliefs or your disability or whatever it is about you that makes you stand out from the group. You can tell faith communities that squash out difference this way because they end up presenting as a giant eyeball or a walking nose. Um, they're useless, they're irrelevant, 
Sometimes they're monstrous. This isn't the way the body works. We need all of our parts working together to fulfill their intended purpose. When someone at Oak Church is sick or injured or otherwise facing difficulties, I think we're really good at stopping and checking in and offering help. Um, we love and support one another with meals and rides and funding and all kinds of practical help. Likewise, when a congregant graduates or celebrates the arrival of a child, we all celebrate together. And this is part of the hope and healing and hospitality that we like to talk about so much. Um, I love how Eugene Peterson translates verse 26 in the message, partly because I feel like I've seen it here so many times. It says, if one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. And if one part flourishes, every part enters into the exuberance. But how can we offer that kind of hospitality and care to those among us who carry injuries that aren't as easy for others to see? And what about folks who've been wounded by their faith communities, making church a minefield of difficult memories? What about the times that we hurt one another, either intentionally or unintentionally? This is really hard stuff to untangle. It doesn't mean I'm not gonna give you some suggestions though. <laughs> My first suggestion, be not afraid. Uh, when we approach someone who we perceive as different from us, it can often make us feel anxious or fearful. But there's no need. We can trust that the same Holy Spirit who is at work in our hearts and our lives is also at work in their heart and in their life. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit is at work in the life of the church collectively. The Holy Spirit is what makes the body not a pile of parts, right? It's what keeps us all together and working. Um, verse 13 says that we were all given the same spirit to drink. When we truly trust that the Holy Spirit is at work in others' lives and hearts as they work out whatever they're working out, um, we can focus on loving other people and not changing them. Second, if you are hurting, or excuse me, no. Second, if you are not hurting, listen to people who are. Um, allow space for folks to express their hurts as uncomfortable as that might feel. Resist the urge to minimize or manage. Again, trust the work of the Spirit and the strength of Christ to hold us all together. Third, if you are hurting, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry that that's the case. Um, if you've been wounded by the church, I'm really grateful that you're here, um, that you trust us to, to be safe for you. Um, please don't feel like you owe us or anybody anything. If you are here and you are hurting, you don't owe anybody an explanation or participation or anything else. Um, we want you to do whatever you need to do to heal. Um, and we want to participate in that healing in whatever way we can. If Oak Church has wounded you somehow, again, I am so deeply sorry. Um, and I hope that you will talk to someone about it. Um, either way, I hope that we can be part of your healing. Finally, I'd like us to keep in mind that we all have an important part to play, not despite our differences, but because of our differences. 
This means that each and every one of us needs space to be fully and totally ourselves while giving other people space to be fully and totally themselves. This doesn't mean we don't have anything new to learn or that we can't change, but it might change the way we approach one another. If I assume that your difference from me is the result of your own shortcoming or lack of maturity, then I might try to disciple you out of your God-given purpose in our midst. But if I can approach you with curiosity and compassion, then we both might learn something. And more importantly, we might deepen our connection to one another. Part of being brave enough to be honest with ourselves and with one another when we disagree, part of this is being brave enough to be honest with ourselves and with one another when we disagree. I have heard from several congregants over the years that I've been here. I love Oak Church, this community is so precious and I don't want to fill in the blank, change this tradition, bring up that controversial topic, suggest this initiative that's burning in my heart that I really wanna take the lead on because I don't wanna mess up this beautiful thing that y'all have going here. Um, if you've ever thought anything like that, um, please hear this. If the center is Christ, then the center will hold. And if the center isn't Christ, then I don't know why we're here. As Pastor Chris likes to say, we are less without you. Regardless of your age, your gender, your education level, there isn't anybody who belongs here more than you. We are the body of Christ. When we care for one another, we are caring for Jesus's body. And when we hold space for each other's hurts and we carry each other's burdens, when we're honest with one another, when we forgive one another as many times as it takes, we are building up Christ's body. This is such an amazing mystery and privilege. And I can't think of anything more worthy of our time and our energy than that. Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the privilege of being your body. Jesus, um, you are just so precious and so and so present here, and I'm so, I just thank you so much for that. I thank you for these beautiful mysteries that we can walk around in. Um, and I thank you that you um, are with us and in us, and you are working in our midst all the time, in places that we can see, in places we can't see, um, in places, <laughs> often in places that we don't choose. Um, I pray that you will continue to build us up and teach us how to build one another up. Amen.